Something that I think is really interesting that Amgen did is it launched its biosimilar at two different price points. When we think about generics and biosimilars, obviously the implication is that this is going to mean, oh, these drugs are now going to be available for less money. But Amgen has, has done something interesting here. That's Fraser Kansteiner, a staff reader here at Pierce Biotech. Later, we'll hear more from him about the most anticipated patent expirations in 2023. I'm Teresa Carey, and this is The Top Line from Fierce Biotech, Fierce MedTech, and Fierce Pharma. Today is Friday, April 7th. My colleague Max Bayer will give you all the biopharma and medtech industry news you need. Johnson & Johnson is looking to end its talc litigation with a sweeping settlement. As Angus Liu and Eric Saganowski report, on Tuesday, J&J offered $8.9 billion to put the lawsuits to rest without admitting any wrongdoing. The lawsuits argued J&J's talcum-based baby powders cause people to develop cancer. But the plaintiffs haven't reached a consensus on whether they want to take the deal. In one statement, Lawyers with the law firm Beasley Allen said the, quote, amount is woefully inadequate to cover even the current ovarian cancer and mesothelioma claims, much less any future claims, end quote. But other lawyers disagree. In a separate statement, lawyers for about 70,000 talc plaintiffs said they support the proposal. As for J&J, the company's vice president of litigation, Eric Haas, said in a statement that the proposal would end litigation that could otherwise take decades. Haas also said it would compensate the plaintiffs, quote, in a timely manner, end quote. J&J has been defending against its talc lawsuits for many years, prevailing in some cases but losing others. In one high-profile verdict, the company was told to pay $2 billion. Last fall, Illumina had won a small legal battle to keep its hold on the company Grail. But now the Federal Trade Commission is reversing the decision. As Connor Hale reports, this week, the Federal Trade Commission ordered Illumina to completely divest its holdings in Grail. Illumina bought cancer test maker Grail for about $8 billion in August 2021. But at the time, Illumina hadn't yet received the final approval from competition and merger regulators. Last September, an administrative law judge said the FTC's antitrust challenges should be denied. That was a small legal win for Illumina, but the new FTC order reverses it. Nevertheless, Illumina told Fierce MedTech in a statement that it plans to appeal the FTC's latest decision in the coming weeks. Either way, it's just one ongoing fight among many for Illumina. The European Union has long stated its opposition to the deal and has threatened heavy fines as punishment for going ahead with the acquisition anyway. Cytokinetics has been left empty-handed once again. Reldeceptive, its ALS treatment, flopped a phase three trial. A second interim analysis of the study found reldeceptive was ineffective compared to placebo. That prompted cytokinetics to discontinue the drug's use. CEO Robert Blum said in a release that cytokinetics was extremely disappointed and would be assessing the next steps for its neuromuscular programs. That is the latest rejection. But a month ago, the FDA rejected cytokinetics heart failure medication, despite cytokinetics' argument that it could be useful in specific subpopulations. The cancer blockbuster drug Padsiv is now a first-line therapy for adults with a certain type of bladder cancer. As Fraser Kansteiner reports, the FDA gave an accelerated approval to Cgen and Estellus Pharma for their drug Padsiv. It is approved for use in a combination with Merck's Keytruda. 
there are about 8,000 to 9,000 bladder cancer patients in the United States who could be eligible for the PADSIV Keytruda combo. That market is worth up to $3 billion, according to analysts at William Blair. Because the approval is accelerated, Seijin and Estellas will need to verify the combo's efficacy and safety in a confirmatory trial. The FDA has cleared an artificial intelligence program developed by Butterfly Network, the makers of handheld ultrasound probes. As Connor Hale reports, the software helps technicians complete quick scans for impaired lung function. That includes signs of fluid buildup that could be evidence of diseases like pneumonia and COVID-19, or chronic conditions like heart failure and COPD. Using only a six-second video clip, the AI automatically identifies parts of the image showing changes in tissue density, a sign that certain areas of the lung pockets may hold less air than normal. Traditionally, those types of lung scans have been a much more subjective process and required special training. It's another step forward toward Butterfly Network's goal of making handheld ultrasound probes as common as the stethoscope. In its announcement, Butterfly said it plans to launch its AI program early this summer. I have a question about the compared to placebo thing. The plural of placebo is also placebo? It's like, it's like to me, it's similar to when people say, like, compared to standard of care without having to use, you know, an A or the. So this is just like an industry way of saying it. No one would knock you for saying a placebo, like compared to a placebo. Because, like, right. that is also true. Okay, but wasn't the word <laughs> placebo compared to jelly bean? <laughs> compared to jelly beans. Compared it, to it jelly works. It works if it's plural. Ibuprofen or jelly bean. It'd be yeah. a jelly bean. Ibuprofen a jelly or a jelly bean. bean. Or the jelly bean. <laughs> or jelly beans. Placebos. Placebes. Right, if it was Placebi. multiple different flavors. <laughs> jelly beans. <laughs> right. Voting has closed for this year's March Madness, and the results are finally in. This year's competition focused on finding the best pharma ads, and Intracellular's 2022 commercial for its bipolar depression therapy has been crowned this year's Fierce Madness Drug Ad Tournament winner. The commercial is called Let in the Light, and here's a sneak peek. If you're living in the darkness of bipolar 1 or bipolar 2 depression, Capilita can help let in the light. Discover Capilita. I can definitely see the appeal. I would also love to walk through that glowing seaweed garden. Let in the light beat out GSK and its shingles vaccine ad. You can find out more about the winner and those who didn't quite make the top spot at fiercepharma.com. For a long time, AbbVie's Humira was the world's top-selling drug. But the bestseller will finally face biosimilar competition. Even though it seems like the pharma world is watching Humira by the edge of their seats, this year is chock full of other big-name drugs headed for the patent cliff. Fierce Pharma staff writer Fraser Steiner and managing editor Karita Anderson are about to go deeper into this. There's plenty more to this year's patent story. Here they are. Hey, Frasia. So um, let's talk patents. Every year we do this, right? We pull together a list of the 10 biggest patent expirations to watch for. And this year's report, well, it's been one that we've been waiting for uh, to compile for a while, right? Hey, Karita. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, it's only been a few months into 2023, but we've already seen what's likely one of the most closely watched losses of exclusivity in, in biopharma history. Yeah, that's wild where, you know, talking, of course, no surprises about AbbVie's blockbuster drug, Humira. It's not just that Humira is a blockbuster for AbbVie, but also that it's been the world's biggest drug for years. It took a pandemic and life-saving COVID-19 vaccines to break Yumera's reign, essentially. And, you know, Yumera's been around for much longer. It was approved all the way back in 2002. And by now, it's been approved for some nine distinct diseases, all of which are serious, but none of which are nearly as fatal as COVID can be. Yeah, it was interesting to see the COVID vaccines dethrone Humira as the the world's top selling drug. But you know, while Humira is sure to get a lot of attention up top, uh, I really don't feel like it ought to be the center of attention in this report because there are a lot of really giant brands that are set to fall victim to generics or biosimilars this year. So in addition to AbbVie's drug, uh, we're going to see big sellers fall from the likes of Johnson & Johnson, Takeda, AstraZeneca, Roche, and others. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. And we'll dive into, you know, some of them, not all of them. Um, But let's start with Yumera, since that is number one on the list. Um, So like I said, that drug's been on the market since 2002. So we're only now, um, 21 years later, talking about Yumera losing its patent protection. Biologic drugs like Yumera actually typically get only 12 years of exclusivity when they're initially approved. Now, you know, to be sure, pharma companies are as a group, as a whole, have certainly gamed the patent system and, you know, found ways to extend that market mm-hmm. exclusivity period. But Avi has been particularly masterful at extending its monopoly. Um, we should have had our first biosimilar of Yumera in 2016. That's how far back the first Yumera biosimilar actually got approved. But, you know, between then and now, and, you know, probably even starting before 2016, AbbVie's legal department has been busy finding ways to push off competition. So, yeah, you know, the entire industry and all its stakeholders, including us journalists, have been waiting for the day when Humera biosimilars would hit the market. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I started working here about three and a half years ago, and I think AbbVie was already sort of telegraphing what its post-Humira battle plan was mm. going to be. You know, just to start off, the the drug actually still performed pretty well in 2022. And when I say pretty well, I mean very well. It brought in uh, <laughs> $18.62 billion in annual sales. Um. Abby is expecting to take a sales hit on Humira this year and next, but it has a lot of confidence in its immunology successor drugs, Renvoke and Skyrizi, to pick up the sales slack. And uh, Abby has suggested that those drugs together could hit around 15 billion in combined revenues uh, by 2025. So, you know, just a couple billion short of uh, 
what Humira made last year. Right. Um, this year, specifically in 2023, uh, AbbVie has predicted that Humira sales will probably slip around 37%. That's according to uh, their CEO, Richard Gonzalez, uh, who was speaking on an earnings call a couple weeks ago. And as you mentioned, uh, it's it's been a long time since the first biosimilars were approved. And early into 2023, we've seen the first biosimilar launch. So uh, in January, Amgen launched its biosimilar Amgevita, which right now is the first and only uh, Humera biosim that's on the scene. Many more entrants are expected to rear their heads in July. Uh, and right. something that I think is really interesting uh, that Amgen did is it launched its biosimilar at two different price points. You know, when we think about generics and biosimilars, obviously the implication is that this is going to mean, oh, these drugs are now going to be available you know, for less money. Um, but Amgen has, has done something interesting here. So they've released uh, their biosimilar Amgevita at two different price points. One is uh, 55% lower the price than Humira's once a month list price, which is about mm-hmm. $6,922. Uh, and then they've also launched another version that is only 5% cheaper. So I think what's important to note here is that while the the 55% discount looks good on paper, experts have actually speculated that the more expensive product might end up being more popular with payers uh, because of rebate and coverage dynamics. Now, AbbVie hasn't exactly just given up on Humira either. Um, so, you know, to compete with copycats this year, the company has has moved quickly to lock down broad formulary access and um, I think this year they're really expecting that the main difficulty will come in the form of, of price erosion. And then actual volume losses are expected to pick up around 2024 as more biosimilars enter the fray. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as more biosimilars come in, there'll be more pressure. But, you know, as always, the devil is in the details. It's really going to depend on so many different factors, you know. Um, how much less expensive these copycat versions actually are when they launch. Um, whether they launch with interchangeability designation is also going to be a big one. Um, interchangeability essentially means that a pharmacist who's filling a prescription that's written for Umira can go ahead and give the patient a biosimilar instead. But if a biosimilar does not have that interchangeability label, a pharmacist can't do that. So then it really falls back on doctors to lead the way in writing biosimilar prescriptions. And, you know, I mean, doctors in the U.S. have not been as quick to join the biosimilar train as their European counterparts. And then, you know, like you were saying, there's the um, all the pharmacy and rebate and PBM dynamics around biosimilars and Umira itself. Um, you know, I mean, to be sure, Umira isn't the first biologic drug to face biosimilar competition in the U.S., but it is the largest. And that means just more biosimilar companies wanting a slice of that pie. So, you know, one can hope that we will see some price erosion too, if not immediately this year over the next few years. You know, it also makes me think of comments we've heard from uh, experts from, uh, you know, biosimilar organizations who've also noted that really just the sheer number of biosimilars uh, mm. to Humira set to launch this summer is is kind of unprecedented. And I think that goes back to what you mentioned yeah. earlier about how AbbVie has really staved off 
this copycat competition for a long time, but that's given a lot of companies chances to win approvals and kind of right. prep themselves. Right. They're all there at the gate, ready to go, so to speak. I, I think we shouldn't let Humira hog too much of the spotlight um, yes. because really a lot of very major brands are are set to lose True. exclusivity this year. So another big one is Johnson & Johnson's Stellara. Uh, and biosimilars there are expected to hit the scene sometime in the second half of 2023. Right. And Stellara is the second on our list of top 10 drugs. So yes, let's jump into that a little bit. Um, Stellara is set to lose its market exclusivity in September. Uh, but interestingly, unlike Humera, it's not like there are many biosimilars waiting in the wings to launch, right? In fact, there's just one, but that's also tied up in litigation. Yeah, I uh, don't think any of the biosimilars to Stellara are approved. So uh, it's a little bit unclear what's going to happen when that patent cliff arrives. It's less easy to predict you know, which players are going to immediately enter the fray. That said, uh, something did happen that was pretty interesting in litigation between Johnson & Johnson and once again Amgen, which is uh, developing and, and hoping to sell a proposed Stellara copycat. So uh, this was actually mm. pretty funny. Johnson & Johnson uh, essentially presented a, a court filing that exceeded the court's page limit, uh, and it also asked at the last minute if it could exceed the page uh, limit. <laughs> uh, and this this seemed to irk the judge in the case, um, who basically slapped down J&J's bid to dismiss uh, Amgen's plans. Um, now, Johnson & Johnson can probably refile. This may end up mm. being kind of like a, gotcha. a clerical blip on the you know actual case. Um, but uh, the incident did provide some pretty good insight into Amgen's position in the biosimilar race. So again, Amgen's biosimilar hasn't been approved, but according to J&J in its court filings, Amgen filed its application for its biosimilar with the FDA uh, around November 3rd of last year. And so that means there's a regulatory decision date uh, sometime around 2023's second or third right. quarter. Right. Um, and Amgen's not the only one, right? There are a few others in the mix. Yeah, Biocom Biologics and, and Alvatech are also advancing biosimilars. Gotcha, yeah. So, you know, biosimilar competition for Stellara is still up in the air. J&J has certainly been sounding pretty confident uh, about its post-Stellara life. Um, you know, and the company has even guided to a target of $60 billion in sales by 2025. It seems like it's spinning those expectations on about eight drugs, uh, according to the company. Um, one of those is a multiple myeloma med called Carvicti. Um, I bring this one up because it, it's, I think, um, one of the more recent ones and also quite uh, interesting. It's a really expensive therapy. It launched at some $465,000. And, you know, rightly so, it's in really high demand. But manufacturing CAR T cell therapies like Carvicti is, um, it's not easy. And JNG has definitely had its share of supply issues. Yeah, and in Carvicti's sales actually plateaued at around $55 million in, in the third and fourth quarters of last year. Uh, and sort of adding to the challenge there, and in March, uh, 
Johnson and Johnson decided not to launch the drug in the United Kingdom for now. Mm. It's it's not clear if that decision is tied to manufacturing or supply hurdles, right. but as you mentioned, we've seen a lot of these CAR T companies really struggle on production because making these CAR T's is a bespoke process. Each patient's drug is individually tailored to them using their own cells. Right, right. So, okay, we won't have time to dive into the details of the remaining top eight uh, patent losses for this year. But, you know, I thought let's share some quick highlights on some of the others. Roche's Ectamera is one that caught my eye. And that's because Ectamera had quite an unusual situation where it saw a bit of a renaissance over the last few years. Um, so basically, Ectamera became a really uh, key treatment in the fight against COVID-19. All the way back as early as March 2020, China first added the drug to its treatment guidelines. The U.S. followed in 2021 with you know, an emergency auth- authorization and then full approval in 2022. So pre-pandemic, uh, Actemera sales grew some 5% from 2018 to 2019. But then in 2020, sales grew 32%. In 2021, 27%. Um, sales dropped a bit in 2022 as demand waned, but it still made $1.2 billion. So I thought that one was kind of interesting. We don't typically see that, uh, that, uh, that sort of a graph in the last few years. Um, what other drug caught your eye, Fraser? So another drug that I thought was interesting was AstraZeneca's asthma med Symbacort. Uh, that one is also caught up in patent litigation, which, uh, really will determine sort of, you know, the fate of, of this drug and its its copycats this year. Yeah, Simbico will definitely be another important one for us to, you know, com- continue watching. Um, Simico, so Simico is approved for asthma and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And I only mention that because both those diseases are considered inflammatory diseases. And I noticed that inflammatory disease is definitely a theme for this year's top patent expirations. Four of the top 10 drugs we note on our list are inflammatory disease drugs. Um, and one other uh, thing that jumped out at me is, uh, you know, completely separate from the inflammatory, inflammatory uh, theme is that there's just one company that actually makes a double appearance on our list. Um, and that goes to Takeda uh, for Gadix, which is a drug for short bowel syndrome and Vyvanse for ADHD. And last real quick thing, full disclosure that one drug in the top 10 list is not actually a therapy, but rather it's an agent that's used in cardiac stress tests. Yeah, that's Lexican. Lexican, right, right. I did want to just quickly come back to just how big of a deal Yumera is. So let's look at it this way. Um, last year, Yumera made a staggering billion globally. But let's just talk about U.S. numbers since that's by far the biggest proportion. Um, Mm. So in the U.S., and you mentioned this earlier, Umera made $18.62 billion. The number two drug on our list, Stellara, made $6.39 billion. So $6.39 billion is still a big chunk of money for a company. But but that's some almost 66% less than Yumera. And the number 10 drug on our list, that drug is all the way down close to 99% less than Yumera. 
Dan, to put an even finer point on how much of a sales juggernaut Humira has been, uh, if you compare its U.S. sales or or its worldwide sales to last year's number one patent loss, which was Bristol Myers Squibb's uh, Revlimid, that mm. drug, which was the top one on our list, you know, the highest grossing drug, losing exclusivity, that drug made just eight point seven billion dollars in sales during twenty twenty, which was its last full year of market exclusivity. Um, you know, that's about ten billion short of what Humira made in the U.S. last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough not to get uh not to focus on those eye-popping numbers and again, yeah, it's just the covid vaccines that have taken over from Humira, but nonetheless to your original point, lots of big ones to watch this year and to see which ones with biosimilar generic competition manage to stay in the top 10. Definitely. And I am really curious to see if J&J is able to redeem itself in that judge's eyes after it uh, <laughs> upset her by filing an overly long court brief, which I found kind of funny. I'm sure they're going to have their editors make sure they cut it down to size. For sure. That's it for The Top Line. I'm Teresa Carey. Our sound engineer is Caleb Hodson. You can find out more about these topics in our show notes at fiercepharma.com. Look for podcasts. And that's The Bottom Line from The Top Line.